It's episode 21 of Auto Catch-Up, and it's me, Ash, this week. Uh, Joel and Mick unfortunately can't make it, but that's not going to stop us from having a chat about and, and, and obviously discussing some of the key bits of news that have happened this week. All right, so let's dive into what I've been driving this week. Uh, this week, it's the Hyundai Ionic plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. Uh, we've been discussing it over the last few weeks with um, previously Mick driving it, and um, obviously now I'm getting my chance to, to get behind the wheel. The The plug-in hybrid fits right in the middle of the uh, the range for Hyundai's midsize sedan called the Ionic. Um, it looks similar in some ways to to the um the elantra and things like that however particularly from the rear um it's got some unique styling elements that for those with keen eyes will be able to pick out uh when you see it out on the road but being right in the middle i i wanted to experience this week what because i've driven the pure electric hybrid i've driven the the kona ev as well and um, I've driven plenty of Prius vehicles in the past from Toyota. And so um, having come from experiencing things like the Outlander um, SUV, which is plug-in hybrid, as well as even things previously like the Holden Volt, um, I wanted to see, A, how far the technology has got um, in terms of uh, you know that full-on electric mode and then the hybrid driving mode after that. And also in the world of where electric vehicles, pure electric vehicles are getting cheaper over time now, um, whether does a plug-in hybrid still, you know, play a part? And um, if you buy one today, will you feel like you 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 should have really spent a little bit more money to, to go the pure EV, you know, when it comes to five, five you know, five, six years down the track? And I got to say, I really enjoyed it. I... I I think that the plug-in hybrid is perfect right now, particularly in Australia where the charging network is a bit lacking. Um, it's still been the number one bugbear for me and Mick and a few other people that I talk to that there's just not enough charging, um, particularly fast charges available in in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, um, most capital cities, and then you know going rural is a completely different um, kettle of fish as well. And um, the plug-in hybrid gives you the, the best of both worlds. If you wanted to drive in pure EV, you absolutely can. You get about 50 kilometers of range out of that. And um, once you run out of that battery, you can run in what they call hybrid electric mode. So the electric motor supplements the the petrol motor that's operating there. And so not only do you get a little bit of a performance boost, but the benefit is, or well, the true benefit, is the massive reduction in fuel economy so over 900 kilometers um driven last week thankfully we we don't have any of the, the lockdowns like a few other people um in different parts of the world are facing right now particularly melbourne and um our average was about 3.7 liters per 100 uh kilometers and um and that certainly is you, you have to take that with a big grain of salt but in a good way where we didn't constantly charge the car and drive it. You know, we didn't give it every opportunity to, to drive it um, in pure electric mode. Um, over the week, 
only uh, when we picked up the car, it had a full battery and um, only one other time did we fully charge the battery uh, to get the most out of that electric mode. Most of the other time was pretty much uh, in, in the hybrid electric mode. And so I think that's a real true testament um, of how good the hybrid electric system is and, it, and you don't pay too much of a penalty um, running with the engine and, and not going too crazy trying to keep the uh, battery fully charged all of the time now when if you do want to keep the the battery fully charged it doesn't have a fast charger but it's actually okay so i find the best use case scenario for a for the plug-in hybrid is if you have a garage and you have a powerpoint you can you can leave the the normal 10 amp ball charger connected to and um, essentially when you get home whack it on the charger and uh, even if you have to head out again in a couple of hours you're going to find that that battery is at back to 80 to 90 percent it doesn't take very long at all to charge the battery even off your standard wall slow charging you know your two kilowatt charger and um and that's even perfect. I I did one sneaky charge at the car park where my gym is. Now, I was able to get a particular park that had a PowerPoint directly next to it. I don't have to worry about people tripping over or, you know, think about that worry. But I was able to, to whip out the charger out of the boot, plug it in, and um, in just over an hour, I was able to get about 50% of the battery charged. And... Um, and so that's really handy, and it's almost even perfect if you are on a, on a road trip and um, you do want to maximize your fuel range um, a little bit more. If there's somewhere that you pull in or even overnight, you can whack it on you know, to a standard plug, and um, you're not going to have any worries at all. Um, but if you are needing to, if you don't have the opportunity to charge all the time, it's not really that big of a deal either because off a full tank um, and having a fully charged battery just the once at the start you're going to get about 900 kilometers out of a single fuel tank which for a car that size and particularly fuel prices at the moment being super um let's just say up and down they're a huge roller coaster at the moment here in brisbane at the moment uh one day you'll you'll drive out in the morning and it's a dollar and four cents and then the, you come back in the afternoon it's a dollar 40 so it's nice having to just even even if it's on the infrequent basis forget about worrying about fuel um but in terms of the car itself uh we had the the higher end spec model so closer to the to the fifty fifty thousand dollar mark and um completely impressed with uh the attention to detail which hyundai have put into a car like that now it's not going to be a luxury car by any standard but the leather seats feel nice the, the the infotainment screen in the middle is just like any of the other Hyundais at the moment uh, with the updated uh, system it's nice big widescreen you've got heated seats cooled seats heated steering wheel blind spot departure uh, or lane sorry blind spot monitoring lane departure warning active steering assist radar cruise control so you've got everything that you could possibly want and um the rear hatch as well is uh, gives you a, a fairly... It's not the biggest boot, but it gives you a fairly comfortable amount of space, even if you have the, 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 the car charger with you. Um, there's there's plenty of space to go for a, a, a good 
a good shop at uh, Coles for the week. So that, um, yeah, it. Uh, Hyundai, you know, we talk about it every week, almost every time we have a Hyundai, but they've done a really great job. I think uh, the, the plug-in hybrid is definitely, um, for most people, an excellent midway step to, to going to a... Uh, a full electric vehicle. Um, I think uh, it does give you more benefits than just a typical uh, RAV4 hybrid or a Corolla hybrid or anything like that. Um, fuel economy, you do get the chance to drive on pure electric. You can select the drive mode as well. If you do have enough battery, you can choose just to drive in pure electric um, without it automatically kicking in the engine uh, when it needs or when you really plant your foot to get that little bit of power. And um, the the dual clutch transmission, you do feel it here and there, but most of the time it, you don't really notice it um, unless you're paying uh, close attention. But yeah, great car, um, and I think it fits in along that. You know, Mick said previously when he drove it that out of the three Ionic models, this really is the, the sweet spot, and I do have to agree with that. For for the price, uh, for the features that you get, the driving range, um, because even don't forget against the pure electric model, you're only getting about 380 or so kilometers out of a full charge, so you're getting more than double that um, in the plug-in hybrid, and uh, yeah, and maybe this is the better choice. If you don't um, have your own garage at the same time, and uh, you, you you're relying on you know a sporadic charge at a at a car park or at your workplace, and um, you don't have you know eight twenty four or however long, however many hours it takes to, to fully charge an electric vehicle without trying to hunt down um, a still rare uh, fast charger. So yeah, it's. It's, it's great. Um, if, if you are curious about one, let us know. Um, if you do have any questions, you can email shows at dailyautofix.com and, um, or even if you're looking for a, for a dealer or, or even um, if you're tossing up between a few different cars, let us know and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get back to you and, and give you some, some suggestions. But, look, let's, let's dive into some local news now. And um, we've got a few key things. One being, obviously, with the curfew uh, in Melbourne between 8 p.m. and 5 a.m., with the only exception being to to essential workers, such as um, if, you, if you are working those front lines um, or working in transport or anything like that, um, it's resulted in some eerily uh, some some eerie images on the road network cameras that. Um, you can publicly, you know, that are publicly available. And um, particularly during those hours, there's just not a single soul, not not one person. And, um, of course, Premier uh, Daniel Andrews shared some of those images. And um, I think the, the best thing is, is highlighting uh, the positive impact that, um, you know, how well people are picking up in, in taking these curfews quite seriously um, in the attempt to, to stem the the spread of COVID-19 within Victoria. But, um, but yeah, it's it's not very often, particularly for a city like uh, like Melbourne, regardless of what time it is, there will always be cars and, and, and life happening. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those things that you don't get to see very often at all. And, um, yeah, it's... Uh, Certainly, I don't know. It's 
it's it's kind of sad that we've we've got to that point. Um, but obviously, you know, these steps need to be taken. And um, obviously, if you do breach curfew, there will be a fine. I think at the moment it's sixteen hundred and fifty-two dollars for breaching the curfew. And um, yeah, so if you if you do live in Melbourne, you know, play it safe. Don't go out during the curfew and um, stick to the restrictions that are currently in place until they get lifted. But next up, uh, one of the key bits of news that came out this week. Uh, some people not, might not might not be as excited as uh, some others, but Volkswagen have uh, updated their vans and people movers. So they've they've given some new equipment and uh, some some new features as well. So the Volkswagen's T six point one, which you know, it's kind of like the the body code model model code um, to, to track the generations as well. Um, but it updates the transporter, multi-van, caravel van ranges. Um, and it's not a huge update, but um, some of the new standard safety features include forward collision alert with emergency braking, crosswind assist, which is obviously, uh, if you've ever driven to driven into Sydney from the north side, um, particularly driving Brisbane to um, Brisbane to Sydney, you'll see the high wind warnings and um, certainly they're not a joke. So those crosswind assisters certainly would be handy for, for people in those types of, uh, to, to, who do type, those types of journeys. Um, you've got side assist, or slide, oh, sorry, side assist with blind spot monitoring and rear traffic alert. Of course, on the inside, you do get a an updated and and. Uh, familiar look within the the interior cabin that looks a lot more like the cars now. Um, you do have uh, you know Android Auto, CarPlay connectivity, and um, if you're really wanting to, and, and you know, or if you can convince the boss to to splash the cash, um, you can get the digital instrument cluster as well um, in there. Uh, but look, it's it's a great update. The the different options. Um, the say for the for the for the transporter that include um, so a revised front end design so you have new new headlights new color and trim options so if you want to step outside just the white or black or uh, or red um, you can have some new options there new steering wheel and um, reversing camera with parking sensors for the transporter so um, there are a couple of uh, engine options across so you've got the 85 81 kilowatt engine um in the tdi 250 110 kilowatt engine in the tdi 340 and the tdi 450 powered by the 146 kilowatt engine um but as you see there's they still um feature a lot of this the core things that you've already seen in these uh models already before just with the slight little updates um, so you should be seeing them arriving um, anytime from now. Um, oh, sorry. Orders can be placed now, um, but they should start arriving uh, from November. So check it out or maybe uh, keep an eye out for some good deals on the older model going out. Um, but if you want to keep up to with the pricing, transporter van pricing starts with the base model 5-speed manual um, from 38,990 going all the way up to 56,990 for the long wheelbase 7-speed uh, DSG with their all-wheel drive 4-motion uh, technology. The multi-van 
Um, he starts from 61,990 and goes all the way up to 73,990. And then you've got the Caravelle uh, from 58,990. So we uh, talked about not too long ago how the Takata Airbag program for Australia and its website had 11 million checks. And uh, even with 11 million checks, there's still 155,000 outstanding Australian cars on the roads, or at least still registered. So um, the, that's the latest data at the moment. And um, obviously, there's a there's a, a deadline looming for December 2020 for manufacturers to um, get those airbags replaced. Now, I'm not too sure what's going to happen if those vehicles haven't reached that point. Um, is it, you know, is it going to be finally um, deregistration, which, to be honest, I would have thought should have happened earlier. Um, it's certainly been enough time. It's been uh, years now, um, and most people would hopefully agree that um, having years to, to get something as critical as, um, as this sorted out uh, really should be a priority. Um, so they say, uh, basically, <laughs> if, you, if you don't know, these airbags are basically bombs. Um, you know, the, the propellant they use within uh, certain airbags degrades over time and then becomes unstable to the point where essentially metal shards out of those airbags could be fired into the cabin and um, kind of like a claymore, it's never a great uh, a great experience for those people on the other end. Um, people have died. People have been significantly injured. And so this is one of these things where if you know that your vehicle is needing an airbag replacement, just get it done. Obviously, if you're living in Victoria, that's going to be a little bit more complicated. But at least on the flip side, you shouldn't be driving your car at all. And um, but yeah, so this this at the moment six thousand vehicles um, regarded as critical, and um, so some of those some states have been deregistering these vehicles, but there's still one hundred and eighty. Let's have a look here: one hundred and eighty-eight thousand airbags, which is still a staggering. It, you know, that's only four point four percent of the remaining recall so there's been a ton of airbags replaced already which is great um but 188,000 airbags for 155,000 cars um yeah look i i trust that everybody that's listening has had these things checked but um if you've got family friends uh have a chat to them ask them um or even if you know what their regs are maybe jump on for them and do the checks and then let them know uh, because this is one of these things where uh, you don't want to be involved in an accident or you don't even have to be part of an accident. It can just go off at any time. So there's not even a... If somebody gives you the justification that, oh, look, uh, I, I, I drive very safe. I don't think I'm going to be in an accident. Well, A, you never know when you're going to be in an accident, but two, um, these things don't need an accident to, to go off. So, um, yeah, just... Uh, Get it done. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Got certain, certainly got plenty of time at the moment at home to, to have that discussion. Or um, yeah, so get it done. That's, that's all I can say. For those, if you're uh, this is a this is a good fun one. 
Um, probably one of the uh, more positive things to come out of the, the General Motors wind-down uh, fiasco that has happened so far. Not that a book like this really should make you too excited. It is a quite a sad thing. But Holden is uh, building a, a, a special book to commemorate um, you know Holden's Holden's history here, and um, it's a three-volume book, and um, they're inviting all current and past owners to to be part of the process fire. Um, you know the what they call the book called Holden: The Final Chapter, and um, unfortunately, it's about three hundred and forty-nine dollars um, to purchase or to pre-order. But if you are someone who loves the Holden brand and you are very passionate about it and want to have something where A, you can have your vehicle in it and um, obviously have that to, to keep and remember the history of Holden um, very much uh, you, you might want to uh, to jump on this um, but you do get a replica build plate as well um, a reproduced uh, Holden employee handbook and um, two never before revealed posters um, but yeah, so to, to have your car part of it, you do have to pre-purchase the book by September 13th, so you don't have a lot of time. Um, but I uh, but I do hope that... Um, now, they don't say how many people they, they're limiting this book to, um, but the, <laughs> the, the $349, three-volume, 600 pages, is going to weigh about 10 kilograms. So uh, it should be... A, a worthwhile investment, that's for sure. But September thirteenth is your is your final chance to be in part of, be involved and be part of the book. Um, but you do have to pre-purchase and to, to be able to submit your vehicle to that. But one one last bit of uh, interesting local news this week, and then uh, we can talk about some of the other key things that have happened, um, as well as other updated bits when uh, we're, we're joined by the other guys uh, next week. But this one, uh, some of you, just like myself, might have been stri- scratching our heads about how Tesla and their upcoming Cybertruck might have... Uh, you know, had a chance to, to pass any of the safety regulations that we have here, as well as even in, in, in Europe, which we do, you know, model our safety regulations very closely to. And um, essentially for... <laughs> uh, they've, they've confirmed that the Cybertruck will not be sold in Australia or any other overseas markets. It will be just for, um, just for the US where the safety... Um, things are, are, are quite a bit different, um, but it was in a in a in a recent interview where Elon Musk, the founder of or, or the owner of Tesla, um, says, uh, and sh- and I should say, we sort of made the decision to not make this a world truck. Now. Obviously, after taking a huge number of uh, deposits, particularly I'm sure there's no shortage of people here in Australia who have placed deposits uh, for the car, it would have been nice for them to, to let people know maybe at the beginning, um, even though you could say in a cynical sense, well, they've used that money um, to bolster some of their operations during the time and now you know, now's the time they can um, start giving those refunds back. Um, but I'm sure there's a few people upset. It certainly uh, makes a lot more sense now because I, I couldn't see how uh, this vehicle would have um, met any sort of uh, regulations here for safety. Just even on the surface, um, if uh, on your 
on your presentation, uh, you show to the world how a sledgehammer can dent an F-150 door, and then uh, you show how that same sledgehammer can't make a mark at all on your door. I can't help but think, well, how does a vehicle hitting that car or how does a pedestrian hitting that car going to come off in any state that um, doesn't equal catastrophic uh, damage or injuries or anything like that for those other people? It might be great for the for the Tesla occupants, but even then, crumple zones are introduced to take the force away from the occupants in the car. Um, if you have an extremely rigid body um and you know unlike a formula one car where they're strapped in they've got hans devices to protect their neck and their head um if you're involved in a heavy accident in the cyber truck you're gonna have one hell of a headache or, or even worse um if uh yeah if you are involved in a in a pretty significant accident and it is seems it seems such a such an interesting thing given that all of the other tes- tesla models are you know excel in in safety ratings they they uh, there's there's a great there's a great footage out there of the the model x um just not rolling over at all or even when it does roll over onto the side it, it, it because of the weight um and how low that center of gravity is it it basically writes itself so even if it's rolled onto its side almost onto its roof it will roll all the way back onto the wheels um and uh so yeah there's the Model 3 exceeds pretty much all of the any safety tests that it's subjected to. So this seems to be a bit of an odd one. Um, and uh, certainly the design and everything else probably hints that, yeah, this is not your regular Tesla vehicle. But look, uh, if if I do get the chance to, to go over to the US and, uh, and drive one, I'll certainly be interested. I won't turn it down um, once, uh, once we get through COVID. But, um, but yeah, don't plan on seeing one in Australia anytime soon. Um, but I'm sure we'll see plenty <laughs> on, uh, on US roads. All right, so international news. This is a short episode, so uh, if you are having a quick commute to work, I uh, hope you're enjoying things. And if you do have any questions, like I said before, shows at dailyautofix.com. Uh, it's just me, Ash, this week, and uh, Joel and Mick uh, will be back hopefully next week. Uh, but look, yeah, some international news. SEMA, the place... Uh, SEMA, if, you, if you're not aware, it stands for the Specialty Equipment Market Association. Um, it is a great place where all of uh, you know your, your third mar- third party um, and, and custom accessories companies tend to to come together and, and show off all of their products uh, for the next year, and um, as well as any project cars um, that they've been working on um, leading up to SEMA, and it is just. If, if you love modified cars, it is the place to be um, just to see brands pushing design, pushing um, technology to the nth degree, uh, whether it's from your high-end luxury exotic models all the way through to you know your, your muscle cars, your SUVs, um, or your pickup trucks. Um, there's there's something for everyone. It is a hell of a show. I haven't been, but I have a, a number of friends who have gone and they, and they just love to go every year but unfortunately um, due to COVID-19 and concerns that the event facilities um, and services will be unavailable SEMA 2020 has been cancelled 
So it's going to be a big hit for, for all of those brands who have already been probably affected significantly um, by by COVID. Um, but the the average of 60,000 attendees each uh, each year probably is um, it's probably the smart decision not to bring that many people together um, for the show. But um, but look, I'm I'm sure we'll see some at some point um, these brands and, and even the SEMA um, group uh, association um, bring things together to you know to have some sort of virtual um, event. However, they have scheduled already uh, 2021, so maybe start planning for that at the at the very least. Um, where and the dates for the for 2021 are. November 2 to November 5. So check out the SEMA website for more info. And um, yeah, unfortunately, it's a, just another victim of uh, of COVID. But one, uh, another vehicle, which uh, I don't know, we might see here in Australia, maybe not. Um, but there's certainly, if uh, people are going to be buying it, there's a, there's a small population that uh, will be lining up at, at least, and um, it has been making its round this week, uh, and that is uh, the Gordon Murray T50, um, and it's been held as the last great analog supercar. It's a it's basically a, a spiritual successor to the McLaren um, F1. And um, essentially, if, if you're not familiar with Gordon Murray, uh, Gordon Murray designed the McLaren F1 and um, did a lot of things. Uh, there's, there's a great video on Harry's Garage on YouTube. Look it up. Um, it's about an hour long, but it goes through everything about the car and, and basically highlights how um, the lessons from the Formula from, from the F1, sorry, um, even even 30 years ago, have. Um, how Gordon Murray has sort of addressed those key little things that he didn't like then, or the technology just didn't allow them to, to do. And, um, but this is, this is an insane car. So it's 488 kilowatts of power, um, from a naturally aspirated Cosworth V12 and, um, mated to a manual gearbox. Um, it weighs less than a thousand kilos. Um, there's going to be, only 100 at about 4.33 million dollars so you can see where i said the audience is going to be probably pretty small um but it's a it's a monocoque carbon fiber sandwich with panels um and an aluminium honeycomb core um and then it's got carbon fiber body panels and uh the whole structure itself and the way it's about 150 kilos so that is just purely amazing um but if you're a fan of the Formula One, it, it won't take very much to, to see the similarities um, between it and the new T50. Um, it does have a, a, a the three-seat configuration where the, the driver sits in the middle with the two passengers on, on either side. Um, you do have digital displays for, for your mirrors. Um, yeah, it is, it is a beautiful car you really just have to see it uh, for yourself it does you know it doesn't skimp you on all the niceties either but it is um as uh as as is explained in the harry's garage video it's just a it's it's all about function um and doing it in a 
you know, arguably a, a very practical but beautiful way. Um, there's there's not nothing more than it really needs to be on there. Everything is functional on it, um, and uh, it even takes some inspiration. To, you know, it's going to a further extreme from uh, the F1, but also you see it in in uh, the uh, Formula One cars before with the I can't remember what car it's from now. Um, but the the rear mounted fan, which is all designed to improve the the downforce and the efficiency and the drag of the vehicle um, by moving and forcing the air to come through, and um, it, you get to see that it's kind of like the Batmobile from the back when you look at the when you look at the fan blades and, and everything like that. But um, but also with that fan, it also helps slow the car down a lot faster. So there's a lot of practical. Um, so it's not just cool, but it's insanely practical. Um, but look, there's there's so much uh, there's so much going on with this car. It, it, I can't you know we'd be here for hours and hours talking about it, even just in uh, as as I describe it. But essentially, its its top speed is 392 kilometers per hour. Um, however, I think you'll you'll have a lot more fun going around the track rather than pushing for you know big uh, big top speed. But yeah, definitely. Have a look at it. I'm a big fan of the orange seat. Love the orange. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful car. But um, but on a bit of a down note, but certainly one uh, that is follow-up uh, from the uh, the Dieselgate uh, from a few years ago, if you'll remember that, with uh, Volkswagen, uh, Porsche, and Audi. Um, so now uh, prosecutors have indicted four Audi managers for their alleged roles in the Dieselgate emission scam. Um, so if you're not familiar with the Dieselgate um, issue, uh, basically there was software within the car that it would detect when it would be emissions tested and uh, it would go into a special mode that would, would reduce the emissions and obviously ensure that it would meet the, uh, the standards. But in reality, when driving out of the road, it was uh, releasing a lot more emissions um, out onto uh, in, into the uh, atmosphere. So in 2015, so it goes back a number of years now, but they uh, Volkswagen admitted that up to about 11 million of its vehicles um, that are diesel across a number of brands were um, developed to sidestep the strict emissions regulations. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, it, it's cost about nearly $47 billion so far in fines, compensation, payouts, and uh, vehicle buyback programs. So, And um, unfortunately, there's really been nothing um, done here in Australia in terms of the, those sorts of uh, uh, compensation, buybacks, or anything like that. Um, essentially, Volkswagen released a, an update that um, you, you would take your car in and uh, in a nutshell, ruin the performance, ruin the fuel economy, and um, unlike the states where you could have your whole car bought back, uh, you get your purchase price back, um, and they'll take the car from you um, and recycle it and dispose of it from there. Um, yeah, we haven't really had any of uh, any of that happen here, unlike what has happened over in the Europe and America. But at the very least, uh, at least uh, it seems like the. The, the process going through is um, is happening to uh, you know make those responsible for doing it um, you know obviously deal with the, the consequences of it 
But look, let's uh, let's get into a little bit more drama. We're going to jump across to motorsport now. Um, this week, uh, as you're listening to this, it will be uh, after the 70th anniversary Grand Prix at uh, Silverstone, essentially Silverstone Take Two. Um, it's the second of the two Silverstone races. Last week, um, certainly some drama out on the track. Uh, Lewis Hamilton um, finishing the race on three wheels after suffering a, a puncture on his front left tyre. Bottas uh, ended up outside of the points as he also suffered a, a puncture. Unfortunately for him, he suffered the, the on, the, on the penultimate at lap. Um, so he was not able to... He had to basically um, come home, take a pit stop, and then go back out onto the, to the track again where Lewis lost about, I think it was 27 seconds and... Uh, Verstappen, who ended up in second, um, came to just just missed out in uh, catching Hamilton. But what we're talking about this week is the drama around Racing Point and their brake ducks. So the FIA came back and said, um, in a nutshell, um, they're going to lose 7.5 points for each car and a 400,000 euro fine. Um, because uh, essentially they broke the sporting rules, but not the technical rules. Um, and it's caused a bit of confusion. I'm still confused at some points when I'm trying to read it and understand what's going on. However, um, obviously the teams <laughs> have understand very much of what's going on. And um, because what the, the 400,000 euro fine and the 15 points is meant to cover not only for that infraction at the first race within the season, but then um, the the remaining part of the season because they're saying that the what what has been learned by gaining access to um, the the files from Mercedes, not just the photos to reverse engineer the brake ducts, um, can't be unlearned, and it'd be a bit unfair to to force them to get rid of it to and design something completely new. Um, but protests have been raised by Ferrari, McLaren, Racing Point themselves, Renault, and Williams. Um, the reason why Racing Point are in there is because they think the penalty is a bit too harsh, um, and the others are protesting that the penalty was simply not enough. Now, on both sides, you go, look, that's that's pretty fair. Um, you know, how could how could a team, if uh, if they found that they're in breach of something? Uh, why should they be allowed to keep using it? Um, or why isn't the, the penalty more significant? Um, and then Racing Point, they're going, well, we we didn't technically break anything wrong. Um, so particularly, you know, the the 15 points is, has dropped them way down um, behind Ferrari now in the Constructors' Championship. And that's going obviously quite a, quite a big hit given they've had quite a bit of success so far within the season. Um, but... It's it's really unclear where we're gonna go from here. There's there's plenty of discussion um, in interviews with uh, the different uh, team managers, and how some are saying this sets a pretty dangerous precedent um, for for what can be done. And if you just cop it on the chin for um, a monetary fine, maybe that's a, maybe that's a risk you're willing to take. Um, rather than paying, um, you know, party team and, and going through the struggles of designing your own part when you can just buy that part or borrow that part from, a, you know, from Ferrari or Red Bull or Mercedes. Um, 
So it's this drama is very much still rolling out, and I think it's going to carry on for a little bit longer um, as teams start to work out well what can they what can they do what you know what boundaries can they push um but yeah it's uh far from over but the key thing at the moment is that um racing point have lost 15 points in the constructors championship the drivers haven't lost any points so sergio perez and lance stroll haven't lost any points themselves um and uh I'm sure if, uh, if Nico Hulkenberg continues on his uh, his great uh, pace as a, as a stand-in, hopefully he gets to start the race. I haven't. I'm recording this just before the race starts, um, where he's qualified third behind both Mercedes vehicles. Um, he will be able to keep his points. It's only uh, the constructors' side where the points are lost, but we'll keep an eye on that. But look, that's that's the key news for this week. I won't hold you on any, any longer, and we'll can't wait to get the the other guys back uh, to have a bit more fun and discussion. But if you do have any questions or you want us to cover any news, shows at dailyautofix.com. Um, you can follow us at Daily Autofix, and um, yeah, enjoy the racing. Um, take care when you're out there. And uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, 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 o